sometimes you're just pushed as the video guy. So they don't expect ideas from you. They don't expect your, you, you to be heard because you're like, you're just the guy behind the camera. So especially when I started doing a lot more like YouTube stuff and like podcasting and trying different things, I was like, I don't just, I'm not the video guy. I, I do visual arts in what I produce. So that that's always been the goal for me to just be seen as someone that does visual arts, whether that's photography, graphics, videography, and just allowing that to speak for itself. Welcome to the Valuable Podcast, where there is value in every conversation. I'm your host, Victor Sasanya, and today I'm joined by Torin Joshua, visual arts creator specializing in film and photography. In this episode, we discuss how Torin quit his job in Iceland to work on his media business, and he also explains how he came to work with big clients such as Guap and what it means to be a creative. First things first, shout out Zencaster, who is the sponsor of this episode and season two of the Valuable Podcast. Zencaster is an all-in-one podcasting platform, which I've personally used from day one to record my podcast. So there's no lies told. I know this platform. I record both quality audio and HD video online using Zencaster. So if you want to start a podcast, then you can too with 30% off your first three months. So go to Z en.ai forward slash valuable one and use my promo code valuable one alternatively just click the link in the description below then apply the code valuable one Zencaster has over 10,000 podcasters like myself in the creator network and they're successfully matching brands and companies with podcasters every day so even if you're a brand interested in sponsoring this show or running a podcast ads to grow your business, go to zen.ai forward slash valuable pod one and fill out the contact information so Zencaster can help you bring your business dreams to life. Without further ado, let's get straight into this episode. Yes, we are back. Another episode, um, another full-blown conversation filled with lots of value. Today I'm joined with Torin Joshua, um, a very, very valuable guest and uh, a digital digital nomad. Is, am I pronouncing it correct? <laughs> yeah, something like that. <laughs> digital nomad, digital nomad. Um, and yes, man, welcome to the Valuable Podcast. I'm so excited to have you. And you want to quickly just introduce yourself? Yeah, well, you, you, you summarized me in a, in a good way. <laughs> yeah, my name is Torin Joshua, uh, digital creator. I do stuff like photography, videography, um, just anything in the creative space at the moment. And yeah, I'm just excited to be on this show and just chat to you and just like chop it up, really. Yeah, no, I love speaking with creatives because they, they bring a different energy and different perspectives. Like mm. compared to um, if I speak to like students or corporates, creatives is just a different different <laughs> sort of vibe. And I love it because recently I've been called a creative. I'm starting my podcast and it, it's just I'm connecting with a range of different people. But I want to understand that actual term that I just previously used, digital nomad. Like what does that actually mean? <laughs> Um, so for me, like when it comes to my Instagram bios and stuff, I love putting stuff like that makes me feel like it's a, a chapter in my life or what my next kind of goal is or what I want to start being like recognized or identified by not necessarily for other people, more so just like myself. Um, so I was watching like a YouTube video about this like creator and he travels the world and does all different things. And he was just talking about the, the kind of age that we're living in and the fact that we can literally in the job that I do, I can literally technically work wherever I want. The fact that I'll be editing on the train or sending stuff on at my home in Coventry rather than here in Manchester. And it's just the thought of being a digital nomad is the thought of you can work from anywhere, you can do anything, but your career is digital. So I think I really want to strive for being able to be flexible in, in terms of location, where I'm working, how I'm working and what I'm doing. So that's kind of the goal for me at the moment, just being a digital nomad, just traveling, doing different things and growing that way. Mm, no, I hear that. And especially with this um, new way of living after the pandemic, things are digital, people work sure. from home. So that's already kind of fitted into your dream. And I guess that to get there, it's been an accelerated path. But mm -hmm. where, where did you, um, like what location, where did you grow up and um, where did digital come into the picture? Uh, yeah, so I'm originally from London. Uh, I was born there, but only lived there for like two years or so. So I'm not acquainted to the culture like that. <laughs> but because I'm from Coventry and that's where I was raised, I love to tell people I'm from London because Coventry was a bit techie growing up. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I grew up in Coventry. It was a small place. Nothing really is going on like that. 
Um, it was only around, I'd say, just before, I'd say sixth form was when I started to get into like the digital space. I ended up taking a course in film uh, just to have like as a DOS subject in the background. But then when I was doing it, I just started, lo- I fell in love with editing. I fell in love with like doing like little tricks and stuff. Like I remember the first time I made uh, two two versions of myself appear on the screen at the same time. I was like, yo, this is cold. <laughs> but I think <laughs> the stuff like that, I just fell in love with that. Um, and then, yeah, I was, I originally really wanted to go do psychology at university, but I took a, I took a, I took a a leap and I was like, you know what, let me take a gap year out. Let me experiment with this creative stuff. I'm really enjoying like figuring out about cameras and all these different things. And then took the gap year out and now I'm here. (laughs) Oh, wow. And so what did you do on your gap year? So my gap year was literally, uh, I asked my mom for a loan so I could buy a camera. And then me and my boys would just go out and do random things. I like would do random studio shoots or a lot of my, a lot of my people in commentary, they used to like rap and stuff. So I did a couple of music videos. Um, and I just used that year to just experiment and try things in terms of like cameras and digital spaces, going to like digital creative events and all these different things. And that's basically what I just kind of did as well, as well as working alongside to kind of obviously have savings for uni and stuff like that. That was basically the life that I lived. So from sixth form, um, you literally took that gap year and you doubled down in that year to basically get into all things um, digital, all things creative. And is that where you learned how to use the camera? Because you say it so easily that you just jumped into photo shoots, <laughs> shot a couple of music videos. Like, yeah, honestly, yeah. It's, it's not the same. So like, when was the first time you actually picked up a camera and sort of learned how to use it? Yeah, so the first time I picked up a camera in a way where I was trying to make something was probably defo, probably my first year of sixth form when I started doing the film course. It's so funny because a lot of me and my boys, so it originally it was um, three of my, two of my boys, so me, my boy Kevin and my boy Imad, like we were all kind of doing the same thing at the same time, like photography and videography and stuff. And we laugh about that gap year now because we're like, there'll be times we're on shoots and we don't know how to make the image brighter or how to actually like put the flash on the camera and stuff like that. We used to just have to go home with just terrible pictures. Mm-hmm. And it's so, it's funny because no one will ever see the stuff that was made during, you know, gap year times. But it's funny when we look back now and like, sometimes those were the purest moments where we're just out trying random things and doing, you know, the most crazy thing so I'd say the first time I felt like qualified and like I was actually able to take photos and stuff yeah. was probably my first year of uni I'd say that's when I was like yeah okay I'm actually kind of comfortable behind the camera mm. and is that when you got your first sort of paid gig or were you just shooting for free my first paid gig must have been I think it was literally just the end of uh, my gap year and I remember like it was for a barber company. They were doing a, um, they had like a booking system and they wanted to do like promotional videos and stuff. And I remember I filmed it and stuff and I did it, but I genuinely didn't think it was good. I was like, oh my gosh, like that, I can't believe I wasted their time, all of this. And the thing is, we no one agreed about doing any money or anything like that. Mm. And I got a phone call from them. And they're like, yeah, we really love it. Yeah, we're going to send you X amount to your account. And I almost cried. I was like, <laughs> I can get paid for this. <laughs> like, it was crazy. That that was the moment where I was like, I can make money doing this. Yeah. And then from there, it started to turn more into like a business thing. Like, okay, let me chase this. Okay. And so how old are you back then? Like, um, Probably 19. I'd say, yeah, 19. 19. Wow. And you, in the space of a year, so we're talking like under 12 months, you basically, you told me you picked up that camera for the first time, learned how <laughs> to use it. Now people are paying you in order to shoot um, different promotional videos, etc. And I guess mm. in that period as well, because you told me that you were actually planning to do psychology at university, but after a gap here, <laughs> 360, because <laughs> now you're doing fully, fully, digital <laughs> media. So what were you studying at university and like what made that um, change from psychology? So I'm currently st- studying digital media and communications at Manchester Met. Um, I think for me... I, I, start, I did psychology for A-levels as well. And when I was studying it, as much as I don't think I love the subject psychology, but I think I love the activity of psychology. So like understanding people and seeing why people think. I love connecting with people and being like, let me pick your brain about what you think about the world and what's going on. So I think that's what I loved about the psychology aspect. <clears throat> but in terms of, is this something I want to go into? I started looking about careers and the, you know, the progression path and stuff. And I was like, I don't know if doing a doctorate is me. I don't know if I want to get into counseling and all these different things. And I think with the digital media side of stuff, I just started to see where the world was going. We're going into a technology age. 
everybody was at, before I think at that point like before I went to uni I don't think content creation was as hype as it was now um, but yeah. there was that trend of okay Love Island people are coming out like content creation is becoming a thing so it's like media is becoming a thing let me just go yeah. in and then see what happens so, so you sort of latched on to it quite early then you saw that yeah, trend yeah then. definitely Okay, that's crazy. And in the, you know, if you just fast forward three years, now you've worked with so many different brands, um, companies, like well-known names. I mean, how many, how many brands or organizations have you now worked with in terms of um, <laughs> photography? So I'm trying to think, it's, you know what it is? Yeah, I don't even, it, it happens when you're in it, you don't even really think back. <laughs> do you know what I mean like I don't even really look back and be like oh I've done this 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 and this it's only when I sort of started to put together a portfolio I was like oh I actually have some solid stuff so a lot of the things I work with has been through word of mouth just people down the road around me whether it's a friend of a friend and stuff that they do so I couldn't give a number right enough to the top of my head but yeah. I've done random stuff from weddings to promotional videos to short documentaries to music videos just all over the place <laughs> yeah and and it's crazy because you you're not like, how can I say this? I've seen your work. And if you're listening, don't worry. I will link um, Torin Joshua's <laughs> work in the bio, wherever you're listening. And you get to see his portfolio for yourself because it's not like your work is average. I've actually seen the, the quality, the, the, the wow. editing, the like everything. And I'm just like, I'm so amazed. And the fact that you do photography, but you also do videography. Mm-hmm. So you do two in one. Right. And and I wondered, like, how does one get good at both? Because I heard a saying that a man who tries to catch two rabbits, you know, catches none. And mm. um, in that saying, saying that you can't basically try to specialize in two different things, because I know some photographers that are just photographers and they're dope yeah. photographers. They're good at what they do. And also some videographers that are just videographers. And they're, again, very, very good at what they do. Then I know people mm-hmm. who are just editors. So they just edit photos um, or they just edit videos. But you're doing all of that. <laughs> so, yeah. how? Tell me how. That's that's good. I think I think a lot of it genuinely comes down to necessity. Like, again, during that gap year when, when we're doing random projects and me and my boys are on random shoots, it was down to the point of we need photos taken as well, as well as video or vice versa in it. So, my I feel like my my pure initial love, the one that I actually prefer, is videos like videography and video editing, like those are my two that I would always go to. Like photography is just a, it just turns out that I happen to be able to do it too. Because <laughs> once you figure out the camera, you're able to kind of work out both worlds because it's kind of the same science. Yeah. But again, it's just down to what you prefer and what you like. And I think essentially it's, it's not necessarily to do with what you're doing, it's more to do with the eye. And I think that's what I've started to kind of develop in that sense. It's like, okay, this is the particular style that I want when it comes to photography. Because there's, there's a compared to a lot of photographers i'm not good like there's so many different photographers in specific situations i'm just good at doing the style that i've practiced for three years if that makes sense so it's only it's only because i've got good at a specific style of it that it's made it a thing to me but yeah what is your style What, what is your style what have you been practicing for the last three years and you talked about you have an eye for something so so for me i firstly i really love colors but I, I love I love the orange and <laughs> the blue, as you can tell in my room. Like those those two colors are just like my favorite two colors to kind of incorporate into like imagery and stuff like that. And I've always seen photography as a thing as it's the actual taking the photos is half the job, and then the other half is the actual f- the photo editing. So for me, it's like okay, how can I take a capture uh, take capture something that puts me in a place where I can edit in a particular way. So I love stuff like color grading and like changing the aspects of the photos. So I think for me, in terms of my style is keeping stuff raw and stripped back, but then allowing space for colors and like contrast to be added in posts. So I think that's kind of my, my main focus with that at the moment. Mm. And, and on the video element as well, on the video side, if that's your main passion, how did you learn to, to shoot videos and turn that into like a great, whether that's a great promo video um, you mentioned you do some documentaries, so th- this is like so many different facets. So, mm. how did you manage to do that? YouTube, man. <laughs> Literally, everything I learned was just YouTube. Like when I was um, first started working out, and people were like asking me if I did X, Y, Z, or did this, or do you know how to do music videos? I'd say yes, even if I didn't know how to do it, and then I'd just spend 
all that time on YouTube looking at, oh, how to shoot a music video, five steps to planning a YouTube video, all those kind of things. And then I just pretended like I knew what I was doing and it worked out all right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, And you know what? That's actually something that most people do. And I've done it myself. Mm. Um, <laughs> um, I heard, no, it's a famous saying that, you know, say yes and figure it out later. <laughs> because sometimes so many people, they actually lock the door or they shut the door on their on themselves right because mm. somebody asks them for something and they've never done it before so yeah. sort of like oh sorry no i don't know how to do this but when someone asks you something you want to take that bold step and that leap and that jump saying no what i'm competent right <laughs> so i'm not i'm competent and maybe i can do this so oh yeah 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 sure then you have that time frame in order to basically double down and learn how to exactly to do this so that was your case and you sort of spent a lot of time on youtube then yeah for sure like youtube just googling and again if i don't know i know someone that knows it or i can find the information from somewhere so even if i can't do it i'll say yes and then get someone else to do it or pass connect that person with them do you know what i mean so i think as you said i think it's just saying yes to the random things and seeing how the opportunities kind of work themselves out and that's mm-hmm. just kind of the the things i've done with everything whether it's photography video editing videography all of those kind of things really yeah and it's, and it's funny that you sort of just never pass up the opportunity because you can always transfer that to someone in your network and mm-hmm. that person who's asked you initially is still happy because you've sort of referred them someone who can still fulfill that job yeah and then at that point you're building a good relationship with that person because you've given them a need you've helped their need whilst also kind of not <laughs> creating a bad stuff like a bad thing for them if you like took on the job and stuff so I think again building that relationship and connecting people and doing those things that's kind of like also its own subtle key to kind of making moves and connections I think yeah yeah no that's big and whilst you were like working on your craft and you're you know shooting for different clients and taking videos you're at university studying digital and media communications Mm -hmm. and you're also working (laughs) I (laughs) think you've done a part-time job at Iceland for like how many years was that uh I worked at Iceland for about four years so that was during my gap year and then pretty much all of uni really what's that like like what's that like going to a part-time job probably you know correct me if I'm wrong stacking shelves <laughs> taking out stock lists <laughs> and, and scanning products when you have this burning passion for trying to get better at videography um photography and of course having that end goal to become a digital nomad I think about it a lot like I used to always think about like I've always had this perspective where I kind of used to see life as a movie and be like, oh, you know, I'm just basically, I'm living in in my documentary while I'm living it in it. So I'm very, I feel like I'm very sensitive to like moments and like the season of life and like the different periods of the story and stuff like that. And I think Iceland for me was always that, that hustle period of me like, oh, Iceland's going to be the thing that I'm going to tell people about when I was working, when I first started, all these things. Like, it'll be, I used to record, like, take videos at work, me just working, just because I was like, one day I'm going to, it's even going to be in a documentary or, like, I'm going to have to put it in a video. And it's actually kind of worked out now when I start talking about all the things. But (laughs) I've just always had that perspective of being like, you know what, don't rush to try and get somewhere, like, be in this moment. And to be honest, it worked out all right because it was paying well and, so I, my specific role that I used to get good at was working in the the cold, like what's it called the cold stock. So working in the freezers and all these kind of things. Mm. And I actually loved it because I was able to be in the freezers, putting the stock away for like an hour, two hours. And that just allowed me to think. It allowed me to just try different things. You might have ideas I got just being stuck in the freezer at Iceland. Those are like to me now it's like I don't get that time anymore <laughs> and even now like now that I don't work there anymore I actually sometimes always say like I just miss it like I miss that feeling of like you know feeling like I, I wasn't sure about what's the next steps or even thinking about am I even going to make it in this career of like digital media or anything like that and yeah it was a journey and I, I, I do always think back to it now and I know it's going to be a big part of my life for sure. And it, and it's so it's so good that you started to document the journey from young because mm. I feel like that's actually a very very smart and wise thing to do because it's the the story and the process that um so many people are in touch with right and yeah. what you see is like or what I see anyway is when you see that successful person you see them in their black and white picture of like McDonald's <laughs> or something Literally. or even the Jeff Bezos and the different billionaires in the world you see them where they were sitting down at a desk or in a garage with papers and files and you actually no one actually stops a deep like 
wait, who actually took this picture? <laughs> literally. <laughs> Does that make literally. sense? So you've been sort of documenting your time working at Iceland and mm. hopefully, you know, that would be used in the future to show exactly the humble beginnings you came from. Mm. And, and and for me as well, I feel like my flagship story is just me selling chicken wraps in school. Uh, mention it everywhere. Oh, yeah, I heard you talk about it on a, a different episode. I was dying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's true. It's real rap. And the thing is, I had, I used to have lots of different photos, but I basically my phone must have um, had an old phone and like the storage wasn't backed up and it broke. So I'm, I lost most of it. So I only got the ones I had in sixth form, but mm. I still use it every now and then just to sort of keep me grounded. Oh, this is where, you know, this was the start of the hustle period, like yourself, yeah, and yeah. where where um, I started to to build up, if that makes sense. You quit Iceland, right? Yeah, yeah, I quit it just at the end of last year. So what was that um, decision process like? Like, what was the motivation um, for, for quitting? Did you sort of take that plunge that you're going to go full-time in what you're doing now? Or? Um, so... Uh, so this was about probably around about July. Um, it was coming to like the end of lockdown. We we're getting that feeling of okay, the world is coming back to normal now. Um, obviously, during twenty 2020 twenty to twenty one, I barely did anything in terms of like the creator wise, in terms of doing it out like client work. It was more so just me creating like random YouTube videos or doing random things like more so for myself. I think those periods where I was building like my personal brand and stuff like that, um, and then. Coming to that summer, I was like, you know what? I think it's time to start trying again and time to start like building this. So I think that was that period of going through that. Like I did a boxing match during the time and I was like, after this boxing match, as soon as I finish, it's a new season and it's a new time to start attacking this career in that sense. So I finished that boxing match around July and I was like, okay, I want to by November, by my birthday, I want to be out of Iceland started applying for jobs. I was like, it's time to get into the industry, started applying for different jobs and stuff like that. And then I think by mid-September, I'd got like a, a job and I was like, cool, I think it's time to leave. <laughs> and then I, I took that leap. Yeah. And so what job is that? So this job was doing like uh, SEO writing. So as much as I love like the creative side as well, I really love the marketing side of things because I feel like that's where the two of my passions kind of merge in terms of the psychology of people plus the creative, it kind of merges into like marketing in it. So I started applying for all those marketing jobs and it was to do with SEO writing. So basically helping companies rank higher onto like Google, basically that was what I was working on. Okay, so you went basically just finished your retail shifts like you came out of the retail industry and you came into a, a marketing job and yeah. has that like in terms of even that job of learning about marketing has that helped you land some clients because I know that you've worked with some big names like um, Guap, um mm. Accelerate Me, Common Sense Network as well um, I think you've done some great work so with all of these different clients that you've worked with like is there anyone that's been memorable or been um, significant on your journey? Yeah, to be fair, I think all of them in their own way, you know, like all of them came in such different periods of my life. Like I I, I want to release a video soon about talking about that guap job because it wasn't a big deal. It wasn't anything that was mad, but the story itself was so interested in like, it was like a, I can't believe this is even happening type thing. And even the way it happened, it happened during lockdown. And yeah, if, if you want to go and say you can, but again, there was just different they all have a different story on how it even got to that point. And mm. I think that's why all of them have uh, its own little little place. Do you know what I mean? No, no, talk about it. Because Guap, it's, um, it's a massive, you know, I think it's massive for our culture in terms of, you know, yeah, the black yeah. talent that is, is helping out. And um, yeah, just talk about how you sort of came to, to even work with them. Yeah, so I think, I think that Guap job was definitely it's probably the biggest thing that I've done so far in terms of like intrinsically in terms of value to myself. Uh, it was during lockdown. And um, again, lockdown was where I just decided to experiment and kind of start, start growing my personal brand in that sense. And TikTok was blowing them days. <laughs> That's where everything was going. So I decided one day I saw a trend that was going on about FaceTime photo shoots. And I was like, you know what? It seems fun. So I got one of my friends to like hop on FaceTime. We started taking photos and stuff like that, which was so jarring because I'm having to screenshot and tell her, oh, like move this way, put the camera here, do this, and then screenshot it and then edit it and post and stuff like that. 
I actually kind of enjoyed it, but I was like, okay, you know, no, I'm going to try and do it again, but I actually planned like an editorial style. So me and my other friend, we did like a work from home photography shoot, got her to dress up in office clothes and then just made like a really cool shoot or whatever. And then that was that. Like I was done, posted it to Instagram, minded my business. And then Guop, uh, the CEO of Guop, he released a tweet saying, oh, we, we need um, someone that's capable to do FaceTime photo shoots. Someone tagged me in that. And then I sent my work off. The way I typed that email so quick. (laughs) (laughs) Sent off the the two random pieces that I did. And then within the next day, I got a response. But even before that, um, I hopped on another trend. Before I even emailed them anything, I hopped on another trend. I don't know if you remember, but during lockdown, there was the, uh, the Vogue challenge that was going on. Yeah, people edit yeah. their their picture on the Vogue magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I, I I hopped on one of those too, and I was like, oh, that was quite cool. I did like a self portraits uh, thing in quarantine, posted that too, and then I saw it what I made, and I was like, you know what? One day I'm gonna shoot for a magazine. Like I just made that random go in my head, and then the next day, that's when I got the email back saying, yeah, we want to hire you to do that. We want to help hire you to do a FaceTime photo shoot to help you know, with this video magazine and stuff like that. And I was gassed. I was like, I'm going to get paid to sit in my room and take photos through screenshotting. Mm. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that sounds amazing. But yeah, so then hopped on the call with some of the models and stuff like that and then just used what I had been doing already. And that's kind of how it all works. Wow, that's amazing. So at this point in time now, like people are paying you for different things, um, <laughs> yeah. not just videography, but also photography. And I just wonder, like, can you be, can you make a living being a full-time photographer, right? Of course, because I see people are photographers, but they do sort of different side jobs unless you've really, really made it. And, um, mm. you know, I was literally talk, went to my my friend's launch event, um, Abianka. She runs a publication called um, Awol Prince. And okay. part of one of her stories, she interviewed someone called Brunel Johnson. And he, he basically made a quote and he said that um, photographers um, live a champagne lifestyle on a supermarket salary. Whoa. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I was like, whoa, reading that myself. Like, so, I mean, does what you do pay, if that makes sense? Um, you know, the photography, the the, the digital um, creative sort of lifestyle. Mm. I think, obviously, like, I don't have a house or anything mad like that. So, again, I don't know how this is going <laughs> to transfer when I'm, like, needing to pay real money. But, again, a lot of the people that I know and the people that, like, mm. are further ahead than me in what they do, that specifying just one some of these men are making bread. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like I, one of the things that used to scare me a lot when before like fully diving into this was the whole thing of the starving artist and feeling like, oh, if I choose this career path, I'm not going to be able to have like a, a, a rich life or even just have like a, a well-off life. You're going to be a starving artist living mm-hmm. in a small apartment, not having any real money. But again, when you're exposed to the right people and you're in the right circumstances and people start teaching you the game of how it works, yeah. that's when things start to change. And I think one of the things I started that I've really started to adopt in my life now is now that I'm at a place where I'm able to do what I do full time, it's now starting to talk to people about how to make money doing it. Or just what I've learned so far being like, guys, there's money here. This is what you can earn by just doing this. And it's kind of just opening their eyes and being like, it's possible. And then once people start demanding the breaks that they deserve, then the industry is just going to start blowing. And again, right now there's a demand for it. Everyone's a content creator. Everyone needs photographers and videographers. So I think it's, I think, it, I think if anything, it's going to start booming over the next couple of years. No, no, you're, you're hundred percent correct in the sense that even I need video photographers. Everyone does, especially when you're trying to build a brand in, mm. in this new age. And I like the fact you said that, okay, you know, come a point in time, you're demanding sort of the rates you deserve. Now, this is a valuable podcast and we like to share value and talk about how our guests, um, you know, share value and become valuable because I know a lot of different people want to work with you. So how do you as Torin Joshua um, provide value to other people, if that makes sense? Yeah. Uh, one of the things that I really, I really want to do every time I, I get someone asking me about creating something for me, it's really breaking down to the heart of what they need rather than just doing what they ask because a lot of the times as well sometimes like maybe business owners and stuff like that sometimes they don't actually necessarily know what's going to work they've just probably seen something that they're like this looks cool i can see this in on my brand or my situation but then it's like if one of your goals is brand awareness there's no point creating a 
a video that's going to be helping with your sales. Do you know what I'm saying? It's like you really need to understand what the heart of what you're doing is. And even myself as well, it helps me create better because I can't film something in a way that's going to communicate a different message to what you actually need and what you actually want. So I'll just say in terms of the value, it's really spending the time and the effort being like, again, okay, what do you actually need? And having the courage to be like, I feel like your idea is wrong. This is why I think maybe this might be the best option. And to be fair, that comes with a lot of confidence and it's something I've only learned probably in the last three or four months. Wow. Yeah. So what? So you, you now advise if so, if I came to you with an idea, so I tell you about my business, I tell you about, um, the, the video sh- shoot or the photos that I want to compliment <clears throat> um, my sales or something. You might just for me relaying my vision to you, you might now tell me, okay, no, this is how we should do it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I think. For me, the reason why I never used to do it before, like I'd be sat there filming knowing that I feel like it's the wrong thing to do. It felt more so like a thing of like, okay, I just don't have the confidence yet, imposter syndrome, all these things. I'm just a video guy. But I was having a conversation with uh, Josiah, you know, Mr. 200 M's, and he was just just opening up and being like, look, the best thing to do is, again, provide, as you said, provide value. And the only way to provide the best value is by doing what you do. And the more jobs that I'm taking where I'm doing things that aren't actually achieving things, and it's actually wasting my own time at the same time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, because he framed it in a great way of being like, sometimes he might get a client come and reach out to him and be like, we want to shoot. And then they'll be like, okay, we need a full day shoot doing X, Y, Z. And he'll be like, to be honest, you only need a half day shoot. So the fact that he's providing value being like, we can do this in more efficient time and willing to cut the cost that he's going to make that day. It yeah. was to show that his heart's in it rather than just doing what he's doing to get by. And I think that really inspired me to be like, you know what, if I have an idea, let me say it. And even if it doesn't happen in the end, it's about going back and forth and figuring out something in the middle. So yeah, there's been a journey of that for sure. <laughs> no, that's powerful. And it's in terms of like your integrity, because mm. like you just mentioned, you can easily just say, no, this requires two days shoot <laughs> and get more money. But um, if you're actually working with that client and, and you are sort of, you're like, sort of like a creative director as well and a mm. consultant. So you're wearing many different hats at this point of time. Yeah. And is that how you get sort of repeat customers like and repeat um, business? Yeah, for sure. Because that's when people know that you care. It, you know, it's more than just a cash grab. You're actually doing something because you're like, I've listened to what you need and this is what I actually think is the best option. And that that will hopefully build the relationship even better. Yeah. And so what sort of the, the <clears throat> cost, or should I say, that comes with um, being, what are the costs that are associated with this role, being a creative and being a photographer, a videographer, and um, just trying to bring people's um, visions to life? I think definitely, definitely first is, in terms of like equipment all of those things there's a at at the beginning there's a huge part where you need to invest a lot into the the you know the things that you're doing (laughs) so like obviously a camera lighting gimbals if you want to do videography properly lenses people don't realize this but lenses are actually the thing that rinse your money not the cameras <laughs> so it's all those no different yeah you, you might see lenses that are more expensive than the cameras and if you need three or four different lenses then it's a bit <laughs> do you know yeah. what i mean i mean um, how, how much are we talking like what's if someone wanted to break in and get their first camera and all of this equipment you're saying um that how much are we talking in terms of, of money i'd say at the, at the very beginning obviously if you ain't got the money to do it i'd say the essentials that you need <clears throat> is a camera that comes with a kit lens and depending on what you want to do, say if you wanted to do like a YouTube channel, I'd say invest in lighting. Because again, lighting and lenses are the two things that rinse your money. <laughs> and then probably just a microphone. Like with those three, you can start out and then you can start, you know, making money from there. But then once you have those, it's, it's about building over time. And then you start to build your supplies up and then you get all the things you have really. Yeah. So, so like, but what so if, can I invest that with a hundred pound, five hundred? Oh no, nah, you're probably you're probably you're probably looking at like I'd say budget around like seven hundred pounds for the first. But again, if you just want to get a camera first, you can get a D. You can get my camera was five hundred pounds the first time I got it, and you can get it where you're it's on finance or whatever as well. Like that's an option as well. So I'd say if you really just want to get bare minimum, I'd say about five hundred pounds is probably your base start. Mm, so 
there's basically an investment <laughs> to enter sure. into this industry. So the barriers are not that low, but, um, and I guess over time you have to improve your equipment in order to improve yeah, your work. Yeah. So, um, is there like also, a, a sort of mental, mental cost that comes with the, the work you're doing? Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Cause again, especially with the freelance way of life, sometimes you don't know when that paycheck is coming. You don't know if, if you're going to be able to, like those periods last year where it'd be three months and I haven't done anything. It was just lucky at those, that time I was working at Iceland. You know what I mean? Um, so just the, the anxiety of knowing if I finish uni and I decide to do this full time, I might not have a paycheck in March or do you know what I mean? Like those kind of things. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, for me personally, the mental, I guess the mental cost has been mostly missing, making the decision to chase it, even though it means sacrificing a lot of different things. Um, like being at uni, there's been times where I've missed out on motives and different things and different, like connecting with people and doing all different things I want to do just mm. because I'm in a shoot, at a shoot in Coventry or at a shoot in London or something like that. And I've had to just sacrifice that and be like, it's going to be worth it, hopefully. Yeah, and I can see that you also post quite openly and transparent on your Instagram page or Twitter mm. in terms of the journey and in terms of the the process, if that makes sense, and and what yeah. you go through and um how like people should not just I guess look at the surface like <laughs> all the work you're doing, but actually what it requires and what it takes. And I mean, on one of the videos you actually shot about being a creative, you sort of said that you don't like the word creative. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, break that down to me. Like what, cause what does a creative mean to you? And why, why have you not taken a liking to the word? Um, it's funny because nowadays I just accept it because it's the easiest way to communicate what I do to people. <laughs> but I think, in terms, at the time where I, I made that video, it was probably like twenty twenty, like early lockdown. Cre- the word creative or you know, you know, creatives is there's a very strong community feel to that, which is great because you know it's like a you got your people, people get to connect and network and stuff. But sometimes it feels like an exclusive club, <laughs> and I, I didn't like at the time where I, you know I wasn't as affirmed in what I was doing or feeling like I was even like that way, like, especially with creatives as well. There's a very particular, um, I'd say style into what type of person that was. And I just didn't feel like I was that person. Like I didn't feel like I connected to the creative community like that, even though I was doing what a lot of people in the creative community do. So I was just thinking like that element of feeling like, I guess, separated from this community and these people, I didn't like that exclusion. So I think when it comes down to creatives, I was looking around, I was like, everybody is a creative. Everybody creates, whether it's writing or again, fashion and how they dress and all these different things. Like don't, it was that, that video was more so for the people that may have felt like they were a creative and couldn't express it because they didn't feel like they were a part of that community. It's being like, look, don't let just what people are telling you allow you to define yourself and cut yourself back. You are a creative. You do create art. You do create. So live Mm. your life. (laughs) <laughs> live your life don't worry about being in any clubs or anything like that and it was more so just a message to myself it was like i don't have to wear baggy jeans and have a certain way of dressing just to be a creative person like i am that's who we are do you know what i mean so yeah oh, that's big and and see that's what i'm talking about because myself like I remember i didn't think i was a creative right mm. because like you said it, it the word creative had this club it had this association you had to yeah. look a certain way post a certain way be so free and flexible in a certain way <laughs> does that make sense like if you were yeah. the if you were just not part of that it's, it's hard to quit yourself a creative so you were basically saying that no everyone's a creative basically mm-hmm. and it sure. depends on what you what you create and you talked about for, i think for you what the term you sort of use now as well that you you create a lot of visual arts and you're in that industry so you want to quickly explain what that means yeah I, I like to put it as visual arts because it's like again uh, I, I like to focus on stuff like videography and communicating visually and stuff like that like what I what I love about what I do is the science of it and whether that's the science of storytelling or the science of communicating visually so like even stuff like color grading people don't recognize how that contributes to story or how the aspect ratio contributes to the story so it's like it's more than just being a video guy and I hated when I, when I was doing a lot of like music videos and stuff like that, I hated 
again, sometimes you're just pushed as the video guy. So they don't expect ideas from you. They don't expect your, you, you to be heard because you're like, you're just the guy behind the camera. So especially when I started doing a lot more like YouTube stuff and like podcasting and trying different things, I was like, I don't just, I'm not the video guy. I, I do visual arts in what I produce. So that that's always been the goal for me to just be seen as someone that does visual arts, whether that's photography, graphics, videography, and just allowing that to speak for itself. Mm, so it's sort of it's much deeper than just being that person behind the camera yeah <laughs> you, yeah you sort of sure. want to put in your input and with the storytelling like if i know there's a few people that are listening maybe um they're trying to get better at their storytelling in terms of how they shoot behind the camera and is there any tips or practical advice you can give for someone to improve the way they storytell i'd say research research and more research like just expose yourself to more things that are quality storytelling. I think over the last year, like films and movies have been like so inspiring to me. Like I love short films and like stuff like actual films that are going on because again, that's where true storytelling is going on. Um, I think it's just interesting when you have to then apply the science of storytelling to a brand video or like stuff where you're trying to convert and stuff like that. But essentially, when I realized that storytelling is the key to actually like impacting someone's day and inspiring someone and making someone do something different, that's when I was like, okay, this is the key that's going to make hopefully me stand out. And I'm still learning like how to be a good storyteller and apply it to different situations. But I think as long as you keep focusing on that and being like, okay, story, what's the story? What's the story? That kind of helps, you know, mold the things that you do. Yeah. And, and do you actually plan this? Like, let's say you've got a job and you're trying to think about what's the story. Is this something you write down as in like you're making a whole a whole book or is it um, you play it by, by ear? Uh, I'd say it's more so it depends. It depends on the situation. So, like, for example, even right now, I have a new job where I, I do like a lot of social media work. For me, it's more so if we're doing a campaign now, I'm like, OK, what's the story of what you're trying to communicate? on the broader aspect, what's the story of the brand? Because if I understand the story of the brand, then I can then put it into a smaller scale thing here in this little campaign. So I think it's understanding those things and you can put them into bullet points. Like that's how I, I, I do it. It'll be like pointers. One story starts here Two, do you know what I mean? And allowing that to develop over time. So it doesn't have to be a big thing. It's just understanding the progression of where you want things to go. No, man, that's, that's a, that's good. And, um, I mean, has there any, been any sort of exciting work that you've been doing recently then? Um, yeah, I'd say the last six months, I'd say the last, since probably like summer last year has been where I've been doing the most exciting stuff, just in completely random rooms that I feel like I shouldn't be in. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, I'd say, I'm trying to think specifically, I, I'd say even just understanding like being around, I think it's the people that I'm around. So for example, again, with this new job that I'm in, a lot of the campaigns and shoots and stuff that we do is with like random, there's a lot of stuff that I can't say, but again, just being around people that, for example, a photographer that might have just got flown in from Spain (laughs) or that's been on a shoot for ASOS or Boohoo. So being around those kind of people and just having conversations. And for some reason, I'm able to now work with these people. Like that for me is like probably the most exciting stuff that I'm doing and it's just evolving. Yeah. So, and this job is full time. So, how are you balancing a full time job and university and your other projects that you got going on? <laughs> What's the solution? To just do it. <laughs> it's one of them ones, like, because for me, like, this role that I got is it was a role where again it's the perfect balance of I get to do video work, but then I'm also an ideas person. And, you know, I can see that they actually value me for what I do specifically, not just, oh, we need another person to fill this role. And that that was one of the biggest things for me. Um, so it wasn't an opportunity that I was willing to pass up uh, like that. And I think with uni, I just did the, I just did the pros and the cons and I did the maths. I said, OK, my grades are at a good enough point. To, even if I drop a few, I'm good. I don't think I'm going to drop, God, God willing, do you know what I mean? But then also just recognising this final dissertation period that I'm in is a lot of independent learning anyway. Even during lockdown when I was at university, I never benefited from face-to-face teaching anyway. I love being at my own pace. So right now it kind of works even better for me because I don't have to go into uni. They know I'm in a full-time job, but I'm able to now do what I do at my own pace and get it done. So hopefully I can get that all done to a good level when time comes but it's actually helped me a little bit I think for sure 
Yeah, and is it is it like sort of because your degree and what you do is actually related? It, do you feel like you've learned much more on your degree or the practical work you're doing? It's funny because I'd say my degree, I don't necessarily feel like it taught me a lot, which is interesting. I feel like if anything, it taught me more about like again just the academic side of what I do. But in terms of the practical and how much I've applied to the real life, it's been everything I've done by myself as extracurricular for sure. Um, but the best thing about my course is because it's so in line with what I do, most a lot of my things in my portfolio are things I've uh, done on projects for uni. So I'm able to get a grade for what I do, but it's also something that contributes to my portfolio. So it's kind of like it's worked out with the best of both. Yeah, and um, I mean, you keep on mentioning portfolio as well. So like for people listening, what is a, your portfolio compromise of and how do you build one? I, I, I went about it quite wrong because a lot of people always say when you do a portfolio, make your portfolio what you want it to, what the stuff you want to do. So say, for example, if you want to do documentaries, make your portfolio about documentaries and stuff. But for me, I don't really necessarily know what I want to do in terms of the specific style or production that I want to go into. So I just kind of dashed everything into it and be like, this is everything I have. So it's funny now that like, if I'm applying for a job <clears throat> and I get to the point where they're asking for my portfolio, I always have to tweak it and put certain things at the top, certain things around so that it kind of caters. So that it's almost like a CV, but just with videos and stuff. So it's funny how that works out. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I think that's what people are doing right now. And we're still doing it with the CVs. Like yeah. you apply for somewhere or even a cover letter. You're, you basically, because you've got, everyone got the template. So you have that <laughs> template in your back pocket of, but depending on um, who the organization or company is, of course, you're going to have to tailor that and put yeah. what they want to hear or what they want to see first, if that makes sure, sense and make sure. that relevant. Because I remember I was helping um, someone, I think she's like basically like my mentee and I was helping her with her CV and, and she had she had like amazing stuff actually two page two page cv mm. um lots of experience and i was just like but is this all relevant right now to the organization you're applying to so yeah. you know i always give that tip like look at you know when someone lists key competencies or key skills required then they'll yeah. list um they'll say what's required then they'll list what's um additional sort of like what they'll really like so you look mm. at that then now you sort of match up the two. So even if um, a bonus tip is even on your CV, put in that actual skill, like copy and paste in that skill that, yeah. you know, they really want and put that on your CV, then underneath mm-hmm. put that bullet points of your experience and how you gain that skill and how you can demonstrate that. I think that's, um that's so, so important. I mean, what, if you have, because obviously portfolio, I mean, for creatives, a bit different. Like your portfolio is <laughs> full of videos and pictures, etc. But um, if you were to say the top three skills that you've learned, you know, in this craft, what would it be? I think putting the actual like tech technical side of like videos and stuff aside, I think for me it's been probably management that's probably the best thing that I've learned. Even a lot of these things I'm not even great at yet. Like a lot of the things I learn every single day, but I'd say management, being flexible in the sense of, I don't, I have to, if I'm freelancing and stuff as well, I have to do invoices. I have to be able to speak to people. I have to be able to network and do these different things. It's made me so flexible and all round. I think that's definitely a key. Like I can't be on set and, and afraid to go chat to the person that's controlling the lights. Like I have to be able to be confident enough to be like, yo, this is what we need and assert myself in that t- t- type of way. And then for sure, I'd say lastly, leadership. That's definitely been been one of the things my mentor and me have been working on a lot, like trying to get to the point where I feel confident enough to, if I am leading a shoot, am I able to communicate and get things across in a, a good way? And again, I'm still learning on it, still trying to do my best with it. But, yo, those are the three things that I really want to kind of like keep building on. Wow, that's powerful. So management, flexibility and leadership. Mm. And even when when you explain that, this is what I'm talking about again, like those three skills, would I necessarily sort of match up to um, a creative? And, and yes, I know you have a, a plethora of different skills, but you put that <laughs> technical to the side because you don't want to embarrass all of us <laughs> with the amount of editing <laughs> and different technical terms. But um, no, I think those are really three serious skills. And with management as well. Is that, I guess, because management and leadership sounds very, very similar. So are you talking about management of just all the stakeholders involved in what mm. you're doing or time or like what what, what does management, I'd, how does it I'd differ say, from leadership? I'd say it's more about management of self, 
like again there's so much that comes with uh, I think one of the hardest things like journeys that I went through was kind of understanding that I am not what I make all the time <laughs> like mm-hmm. sometimes there's a it's easy to connect yourself to the stuff that you do like especially for for a lot of jobs where I'm like I'm not passionate about this it's just like I care about sometimes I'm like oh I don't really want to show people this don't want to do that but it's like I I'm not what I make so I think it's more managing stuff like that for example or um when a client might be like oh yeah can you change this or we don't like that can you change that recognizing they're not they're not attacking me <laughs> like you have to manage yourself and your your own perception and your own confidence and self-awareness and stuff like that to be like look this is a job they're just asking to change this you can do that it's not affecting who you are let's just make them happy and produce something that's great that's the goal here do you know what i'm saying so yeah a management of self in your own mind and being controlled enough to not be offended or you know demotivated i'd say yeah and you sort of built up that i guess thick skin as well whilst you've been working because it can i think especially when you're producing work as soon as Mm. you you know give that those photos in a folder to the client or give the videos back it's up for critique yeah that makes sense has that ever happened that's the scariest part sometimes for sure because there's because a lot of the times a lot of the stuff i actually make i genuinely i'm like this isn't how I want it to look or this isn't, I don't genuinely think it's good like that. Like I might be like, oh, they might be happy, but I'm like, they probably don't actually like it. But again, it's because I have a very specific thing in my head that I'm trying to achieve that might not match with what they want. Every time I send that weed transfer link over or I'm always just like, and then I see that online, I'm like, oh no, oh no, I'm about to get it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, and so, so how do you, how do you deal with that, overcome that? Like, because I'm sure you've must have gotten feedback on your work before that it's not, mm. it wasn't perfect. Yeah, so yeah. How, how do you, do you just sort of brush it and next one you go again? Um, do you sit down and try to work it out? I guess, and like, um, re-edit something, retake mm. it. Um, because as much as you are creative, you're also a businessman at the end of the day. Like you said, you, you have to do the invoices. You have to get in the sales. You have to direct. So how do you deal with that? It's, I just recognize like, it's it's the process of things in it like even when it comes to i'm sure in business and stuff there's multiple times you have to revise different things whether it's a business plan or whatever it is at the end of the day they ask for these changes if i change it it makes the customer happy do you know what i mean as you said it's business it's not just necessarily that's the hardest thing about doing like creative stuff because it's like it's mixing business with art and then they're two completely different worlds. <laughs> do you know what I'm saying? But again, yeah, for me, it's just recognizing it's a process that it's, you need to go through it to get to the end result. And that's yeah. just that really. Yeah. And, and are you on your, like, is this just you by yourself in terms of freelancer, nobody helping you out? Uh, yeah. I said when I first started out, it was very much just myself, like solo shooting and stuff like that. But I'd say now I'm starting to recognize again, how uh, I put a tweet out where I was like, maturing in digital creative stuff is recognizing uh, being a, a one-man band shooter isn't the way you create your best work. And I was like, I think the re- one of the recent shoots that I did was the first time I was able to like outsource the set design to someone. And that feeling of being able to like pay them to do it and me not have to think about it and just be like, mm. I just have to think about doing the video and editing. It ended up making the whole thing so much better. Like what they came back with, I was like, I would have not even thought about that. And then I think there's people out here that edit that way too. And there's people out here that do lighting that way too. What if we yeah. just all work together and I just did what I'm good at? <laughs> it makes things so much easier. No, no, that's, th- let's talk about that because that's um something that literally changed the way I work as well. When you mm. realize what you're good at, you kind of want to outsource the rest to other people because yeah. so many people um i get at the very start is difficult because when you're starting out you not, might not have that much money so you, you might don't you don't want to pay other people right you want to do everything yeah, yeah. yourself um <laughs> any and everything you can do but you'll come to a point and you realize that wait hold on a minute i'm getting paid or people are requesting me for this specific thing which i'm yeah. great at so i'm going to take my time and focus on this while i'm going to give the rest out to people who are great at that as well and mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. it's a saying from an old book called the e-myth and it talks about this concept or idea of um you should work on your business not in your business mm. and so many people they spend 80 percent of the time working in their business and not on and what does that mean so 
um, to put in the most simplest way, like if you were, for example, let me just use your example. So if you're trying to um, build up your portfolio, build up the amount of clients you get, the, the work you're doing, start to work with the big brands, you know, Givenchy, Gucci, or so many different um, brands, mm. instead of thinking about, okay, how are you going to get there? How are you going to improve your editing? How are you going to improve um, the way you um, outsource? How are you going to improve your network? How are you going to improve yeah. your website? sort of the marketing strategies and so many different things to get there. You're mm. too busy fiddling, you know, editing something on YouTube, doing timestamps, um, scheduling the video for right. three to four hours right. when <laughs> <laughs> you can just outsource that. So yeah, so many yeah. people, they get, um, like I said, from the start, of course, you're going to have to work in your business to get off the ground. But the minute you sense that you can start outsourcing things and you can start working on the business how is this going to grow if that makes sense because mm. when you grow mm. the business there'll be enough resources in order to fund whoever is helping you work in the business and um yeah this i read it in a book as well i forgot what it's called but i might link it down in 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 our newsletter actually <laughs> if you're listening and make sure you're subscribed at www.valuablepodcast.com where i link lots of different values including the, the best tips of what we talked about today but it talks about um also the founder of mcdonald's and how mm -hmm. he grew that franchise because he focused to work on the business mcdonald's yeah, rather yeah. than be inside flipping patties yeah, <laughs> if yeah. that makes sense have you seen the uh, documentary for that well it's not a documentary it's like a real life uh they remade the story no i haven't actually what's it called you should check, you should check it out it's called the founder you it'll make you not eat mcdonald's for a while i promise you that Oh really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Is it one of those ones that? Yeah, it's like that's how it was done. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be honest, I don't actually eat much McDonald's. To be honest, I feel like I did when I was young, growing up. Like you know, when you're in school, chicken and chips. Yeah. It's still a, a, a marvel. One pound. I used to get four <laughs> wings and chips, not two. Nowadays, it's two. It's, it's that's two a, that's a meal. That's a meal right there. Four wings and chips, and four wings and chips in the drink for one pound fifty p. And you never, I never thought about what goes in, whether it's nutritional. But I feel like just when when things were so cheap back then. But nowadays, I think maybe it's because there's not a lot of McDonald's around me. To be honest, where I'm mm. at in university, where where I lived before, there was a McDonald's down the road. And um, so it was much, much easier. And I think that's what also these companies want to do. They want to like, I think they, or something like they want to put a McDonald's like on every street corner. Yeah. Same yeah, way yeah. Apple, they want to put an iPhone in every house. And um, this is actually called uh, sort of your, your, your big mission, like the mm. big, the big goal um, a lot of um, visionaries, CEOs and companies, they talk about this. They, if like they set a massive goal. Um, yeah. For example, you know, Richard Branson, like his goal would be to, of course, create a new, a new life in space. So, you know, part of that goal is to obviously build some rocket ships that will get there. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And same with Windows. <clears throat> Windows wanted um, to put a laptop um, or computer in every single household. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was talking about this on the Instagram live, sort of the biggest visionaries are people who want to change patterns of living. Mm, we mm, talked about wow. it, me and my, my friend Nano. So instead of um, thinking about how you build the biggest name, um, you, you like, oh yeah, I'm going to build the biggest name. I'm going to be famous. I'm going to be known. If you change someone's pattern of living, mm. that's going to last. Yeah, because yeah what they do is changed. And if you just look at me and you and everyone who else who's probably listening, the biggest companies in the world, they're successful because they changed our pattern of living. When I wake up now and if I go on my phone, I'll go on Instagram. I never used to do that before. Right? <laughs> <laughs> they've, they've changed yeah. the way I, the way I'm operating, if that makes sense. So yeah. um, I feel that's, that's so powerful. And just to bring it back to yourself, like, is there a major goal for Torin Joshua? What's the, What's the end goal? It's weird. I, I feel like I, I don't really think about it often. Um, I think lockdown had a huge part to play with that. Like it, it completely destroyed my my 
you know, motivation to like think big because it's like, oh, you can't plan anything. But it's weird because I feel like you don't really necessarily to think out there to understand what it is that you're doing. And it's only over the last couple of months or so where I've started to really to define that to myself. And there's kind of two strands in terms of like what I do on Instagram, in terms of like my personal brand and what I try and portray to the world. But my mission for that has always been since day one to document the journey of discovering purpose again social media has such a a way of being like oh yeah these are the good times these are everything i'm doing but again like i really want to i really want i don't want my page to be everything i've done like my work and stuff i wanted to look at it and be like i feel like it's almost the behind the scenes of everything that's going on like it might Mm. be some work there might be me just randomly talking to a camera about a bad day that i had or a random thought that i had that kind of impacted my day like really just want to kind of showcase that but in terms of what I do in terms of like business wise, I think I, I think even though, again, I do creative work, I've always been passionate about like starting my own business and starting, you know, and own it, owning my own thing and having ownership that way. And now that I've started to see the way that that can happen, I'm really I'm really motivated about creating spaces for creatives and like people that want to get into this type of field to be like oh, I can actually do this. Like, I don't have to just go down to the route of going university or or doing this. And I think that's motivated me a lot through my brother as well. Like, I'm so I'm so passionate about being like, yo, bro, come on a shoot with me. Come do this. Like, you'll get paid to do this. There's op- opportunities here. Like, I think in life, one of the biggest things, one of the biggest things that people need to get in life is perspective. Like, once you start seeing the perspective of things that are going on and what's actually happening, then that changes the way, again, the way that you operate. And it's changed the way that I operate when I see, oh, what this person's actually getting paid or uh, how this person's made a business plan that got them funding. It's made me realize, oh, if I can apply that to my life, so many dreams that I've actually had can now come into fruition. So it's like, how can I do that for other people, especially black artists and black creatives? How can I bring them in on a shoot? How can I, you know, you know what I mean? So I think that's, for the next couple of years or so, I think that's kind of the thing that's rooted me right now. Yeah perspective and purpose Mm. that's what I just got from that perspective and purpose and I feel like perspective is a big one because Mm. we all like we all live in the same world but we view it so differently (laughs) (laughs) and it's it I, I especially know because of the conversations I've been having I've been fortunate to have with so many different people now and everyone got a different perspective on things. Like we might agree on the same thing, but it's just, you're looking at it through a different lens. And this is why a sort of um, lens is, is so important. And I guess purpose is another thing that's um, so big. It's it's a hot topic. Everyone's speaking about purpose. What's our purpose? How do we find Mm. our purpose? Because I think the, the mutual agreement is that when you're operating in a place of purpose, it's like that it's like, you're not happy, but you're joyful yeah yeah right because happy is like you can be happy then you can be sad but Mm. you may be sad and down but you you still have this element of joy in the process right and i feel like that's when we're operating in our purpose and for you have you figured out what your purpose is yet this (laughs) this used to be a big thing for me like so like it used to be I used to be intoxicated and thinking about, oh my gosh, I have a life that I need to live my purpose. And one of me and my mentor used to go back and forth about it. He used to always be like, you used to be that kid on Twitter that's like, what's my purpose? And I, I was, <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But I think again, up until this point now, I've got to the point where I recognized I can keep trying to live, keep trying to live my life, trying to find this end one thing that's going to make my life valuable or that I think is going to make my life valuable or I can enjoy like the pursuit of it. And I've realized for me, like firstly, the pursuit of what I'm doing, it feels more like I'm living in purpose than deciding one day my purpose is to make a documentary film that's going to change someone's life. It's like me again, me being here and doing this and having a story to tell about what I do. That's me living in my purpose. Do you know what I'm saying? And then the thing is one day that's going to (laughs) change. One day I might go into business. I might go do something else, but that's still part of the story so I am living in purpose because I'm doing what I'm doing <laughs> do you know mm. what I'm saying I think I, right now I'm very I, I look at I had a I had a funny moment at work the other day where I was just stood in the mirror when I went to the toilet and I was like nah 27 2019 Torin would have never thought I'd be here you know and that just gave me such a nice feeling of being like you're present in what you're doing 
that's the biggest thing you could have, like being present in the day to day. And that that's that's really just made me so happy. And obviously, again, like for me as well, I'm a Christian. So I believe that everything that I am, I'm made in the way that I am for a reason. So I'm really sensitive to the way that I feel and looking at, OK, I, I, I really value this time or this moment or this person I'm speaking to. Why do I? There's a reason I do. And then I start looking, reverse engineering it that way and start trying to replicate those feelings. You know what I mean? So that's kind of just the, the mode of how I think about it. Yeah, that's so deep, man. Um, there's there's pursuit, there's happiness in the pursuit of your purpose. Mm. And um, there is actually no, I guess, I guess the, the end goal that we all want is like, who knows except God? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> who Literally. actually knows? the plans he like God knows the plans he has for us. And I think yeah. the most exciting thing is knowing that we, we, I'm not the creator of myself. So if I created myself, <laughs> yeah, I'll know my destiny. Cause I, I created, I know, I'm no, <laughs> why I created you, what, what you're meant to do. But the fact that none of us know, and you know, it's up to a higher God. So it's sort of just like in that pursuit, you're saying, um, you, you find that happiness and you find that joy and, um, it basically keeps you going because you don't know what's next, <laughs> mm-hmm. if that makes sense. And I can see you got that on your Instagram bio, documenting the journey of finding purpose. And yeah. um, no, I think that's so big and I'm so happy for you. And I'm so glad you joined me on the podcast. And just, do you want to quickly just say where people can just find you and support you and just watch that journey as you you find your purpose? Yeah, I guess you can just follow me on socials. It's pretty much Torrin Joshua and everything, I believe uh yeah like again social media for me is just my hub to this again document so it, it might feel like a diary one day it might feel like a i don't know like you're looking into my life but again i really want to start building community and being like look i want people that may think the way i do people that might not think the way that i do but i, I love interacting and engaging and finding out the way that people live so if you're interested in those kind of things you've got a youtube channel starting up a mailing list again um and yeah who knows what's to come but yeah that's 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 what's there that's big make sure you are following Torin joshua again i'll link it in the bio in the description so you can have that but just to quickly wrap up this podcast i, sp- I pick random guests to do this with i think it's funny and it's exciting as well so we're gonna play a little game so right, cool. um i'm going to count down from three and i'm gonna say a word and mm-hmm. you need to tell me the first thing that pops into your head <laughs> okay <laughs> let's go are you ready let's go all right three two one valuable time kind time over oh, time time mm. explain that explain that why time i don't even know i think when you said that my mind it was like a jackpot machine my mind went through all the like things in life so it was like money job house people and then i was like time i was like time's the one that i'm like I, I think about the future so much. Like I think about everything that's happening so often. Like to the point where again, as I said, I was there filming my documentary for the future <laughs> while I was living it. Do you know what I mean? So I think for me, like the fact that I am here and I get to try these things and use my time, like that's valuable to me. Like the time that I have is valuable. So I think maybe that's why my brain went there. I didn't really think about it. It was just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect, perfect. No, thank you so much again for joining me on the Valuable Podcast. Um, if you're listening, I hope you took value from this episode and make sure to also just browse all the different episodes. But yeah, let's just thank Torin Joshua. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me, man. I love what you're doing, man. You're, you're creating a space for a lot of people here. So keep doing it, man. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this episode, make sure to give it a five-star rating and leave a review. Alternatively, you can send us a DM on Instagram at Valuable Podcast and sign up to our newsletter at ValuablePodcast.com. Remember, increase the value you provide and you'll rise in due time.